Hey everyone, welcome to The Ambulators, a Deadwood podcast. This is the first of many episodes on what I think at least is the greatest television show of all time. I'm saying this out of earshot of my daughter who would kill me for saying that it's not Twin Peaks. Fortunately, she doesn't listen to this podcast at all, so I should be okay. Anyway, David and I are huge, huge fans of this show, so we're devoting a whole bonus episode to every episode of Deadwood for our beloved Patreon supporters starting today. We wanted to dive into this show much like we dive into a movie or a work of literature that we love. And Deadwood is literature, it's art, it's philosophy, it's psychology, it's dirty and funny and impossibly well-written and well-performed. So we're very excited about this. We'll be releasing these episodes on our Patreon feed every off Tuesday, the ones we don't have main episodes. This first bonus episode is free for everyone everyone. We think it's a good one and that the others that we've recorded already are even better. We're loving this so far. We think you'll like them too. So if you've never seen Deadwood or you want to do a rewatch, join us over at patreon.com slash verybadwizards. Subscribe at the $2 tier and you'll get all of our Deadwood episodes. Okay, let's get to the episodes. Hope you enjoy and fuck us all anyway for the limber dick cocksuckers we are. Welcome. This is going to be a, a series of episodes that we are going to do on, I think, unquestionably one of the greatest television shows. And in my view, it is the best show, Deadwood. And, you know, I don't know, we should have maybe talked about this before recording, but is there anything we want to call this series? Yeah, you know? yeah I don't know. <laughs> I, was just, I was thinking that as you started talking as well. I, I don't want to do this one, but something <laughs> like Very Bad Hoopleheads or, I, you know, Very I Bad Cocksuckers. The the ambulators, the um, ambulators. So. <laughs> That's such a good. I, let's it. We're it's done. <laughs> the ambulators. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, you already said it's your top show of all time. It belongs on any top list, and I genuinely think that if you have watched all three seasons, and it's not on your top ten list then it, like uh, we would have a problem like i don't think i would <laughs> you're an ignorant <laughs> cocksucker <laughs> um i forgive people if they haven't watched it and it is not my number one show i think it's my number two and i, I think the sopranos is still up there and the only reason well maybe two reasons one is that i like the individual dive into psychology of the sopranos like i think that's great in, in a way that like scratches an itch that I have. But I think maybe more it's it's a completed series from beginning to end in a way right. that Deadwood never got to be. But that yeah. does mean that there are shitty Sopranos episodes in a way right. that there aren't Deadwood shitty. Like there just <laughs> no, aren't shitty episodes of Deadwood. Like I, 
episode to episode in terms of the quality and the quality of the writing, but also the performances, it is like, I, I don't think anything can top it. You know, I, I obviously have this thing for Twin Peaks. I yeah. almost put that in a separate category. It's, it's apples to apples if you're comparing yeah. Deadwood and The Sopranos or The Wire or, you know, right. Breaking Bad or something. Um, in any case, I, I think episode to episode, just the quality of this each individual scene, you can't get that. There's no Anthony Jr. In, the, in, <laughs> right. in Deadwood, you know, there's no like yeah. annoying little subplots that you wish just like you could fast forward through. The other thing I'll say is that while obviously I think that The Sopranos is written well and character development as well, when it comes to writing the actual words that are coming out of somebody's mouth, not like the storyline and the, you know, and the, the beats of the plot, but the words, this is um, l- like, I feel like people will study this in, in yeah. higher education for years. I, um, yeah. Like he's our, uh, this is not an exact, I don't think this is hyperbole. Like David Milch in this s- series is like our Shakespeare. Like these yeah. are, this is poetry, um, even though it's kind of filthy and funny in a bo- and body. And I guess Shakespeare is, are, is all yeah. those things too for, for his time. But like, he really is just an updated version of that. The art, the artistry of, of how he just crafts lines and he would kind of famously do it. He had a bad back and he would like, like lie on the floor and like just dictate the scripts to people right up till the last minute uh, before they were shooting. And everybody loved it. He he, he was like, was Hearst with a bad back, like a, about Milch. That's so interesting. I didn't know about the back issues. Um, Yeah. So, if you're listening to this, hopefully it's because you are either <laughs> you've either seen it and love it or you're deciding to watch it as we as we go. But we should say we had a brief talk about how this is going to go. And <clears throat> while we will not try to spoil things, like we're not going to be Nazis about spoilers. Like if something is relevant to yes. whatever scene we're discussing and it comes out, it will come out. But we really both didn't think that there it gets hard to be spoiled with this show. Like, yeah, I agree. There are events that happen, but some of them are historical, and you'll you, you could know about them already. Um, Weirdly, so. it's it's uh, hard to spoil this. Um, I think it's philosophically also just such an interesting show, and it really is just about the complexity. There's no show that portrays the the messiness and complexity of ethical life like this show does. Um, unlike The Sopranos, where you know, ultimately, these are bad people, and they're doing bad things. Here, it's never that. It's never that simple. It's never even like, oh, this is an anti-hero that you're. That it's weird that you're rooting. Find yourself rooting for, or something like that. It's like, no, these are really tough, uh, both from the level of the act and the level of character. That, um, yeah, a dog is the villain right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the anti-hero. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> I think my daughter's gonna come. I think you and I see see that a little differently, um, and which will maybe emerge um, as we talk about the show. Not that there's not that I don't agree with you about the moral complexity of it, but from the from the perspective of the city or the town, like there is this huge political aspect to this show that if you had fed it to me as a political like as a overtly political i wouldn't have watched it but i get tricked somehow into into uh into thinking about the way that this small city and the group of people um 
had to sort of fight for having the right to be a, a city like and to um, whatever, own land and all this stuff. And the, com- the moral complexities that come with being really a policymaker, kind of, you know, when you think about it, like somebody who is having to decide um, what the best strategy is for the well, survival of the city. They're in like this liminal base of like between total chaos, state of nature, and um, like being a legal part of the United States. And we should say like they're on illegal, they're illegally on Indian land. Mm -hmm. And the reason that anybody, that that white people are there at all is because of the gold in the hills. (laughs) Um, in Deadwood, South Dakota, but like the, you know, it was obviously going to eventually become part of the United States. Manifest uh, destiny, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Spoiler, um, it, spoiler, it becomes part of the United States. <laughs> I think that that's what's so, and you know, like people say, this is about communities growing from chaos, you know, like that's, uh, and we start close to chaos, but not quite there. Like I said, like, I think it's in this transitional period, this kind yeah. of purgatory between being uh, just the wilderness um, beyond the frontier and, you know, just another fucking U.S. city in the 19th <laughs> right. century. Like, it's, right. that, that's what's so interesting. And that's what's so charged about all of the plot and drama in the show. Yeah. And because there's gold and people who have started working the land for gold, like the tendrils of the cities on the east um, uh, start to get felt and how to navigate it so that they will be able to hold on to their land is 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 tricky. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of negotiation, a lot of nuance. And this is what I mean about the messiness and complexity of it. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, and Al, even in these early episodes, I was really trying to play the long game and will sacrifice quite a bit for the, you know, for his long term interest more at first. But then I think over the course of the series, he starts to not just be thinking of his own interests. And there's so, yeah, there's so many interesting dynamics between the, the stakeholders in the show. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I'm excited. I'm super excited to start talking. And, and, and we should say that we were going to do the first like two oh, yeah. episodes at a time. And then when confronted with just <laughs> the greatness and the density of each individual episode, we just decided to go episode by episode. And we're going to yeah. try to record a lot of these, a lot of these motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Over, and, especially over the summer when we have some time. Um, yeah. But our goal is to get through season one. So I hope yeah. you're watching along, even if you've seen it. Um, the last thing I'll say before we jump into the plot is I have my bourbon in front of me. Do you? There we go. I have a four roses small batch. I rarely drink during episodes, but I'm going to sip it. Yeah. (laughs) The New York dude. Like Like the the New New York York dude. dude. Like Brom Garrett. (laughs) Great character. Not maybe long for the show. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, let's. So let's uh, jump. Uh, please oh, yeah, yeah. watch this show. Like, yes. if like if 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 we have done anything to earn your trust over these ten years, like I really think people will like this show. Yeah, and I think I don't know how you feel about subtitles, but subtitles help me on this show um, hmm. uh, to to see the language. But if not, rewind. I do feel strongly about subtitles, but but the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I was never been more proud of my daughter when she told her friends, "If I make a movie and you watch it like closed captioning, I'll never speak to you again." Well, I mean that's very ableist of both of you. So let's, <laughs> let's go do what you want. I have ra- <laughs> I have tried my best to raise an ableist daughter. <laughs> um, let's start with scene one. 
like the opening scene, which is yeah. is stuck in my memory. Um, what is one of the most powerful opening scenes of any series? Definitely. Um, and what we see is um, Seth Bullock, who is the sheriff in Montana. He's a sheriff. Um, has arrested a man for uh, horse thievery, a crime that in the West was often punished by death. And he's in incarcerated. He's in this little jail. And he, he's going to be hanged, apparently, but he's going to be hanged uh, legally, except for that there is a crowd of drunk people who are apparently the victims of the thievery who want to pull him out and lynch him right then and there. Yeah. And this is our, first, this is our introduction to Seth Bullock, who realizes that there, he, there's a lot of people, there's very few of them, and so he's going he's gonna to execute the man right then and there to do it legally. He's going to hang him on the co- under the color of the law. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's it's such a great scene because I think it sets up so many of the themes of the show. It's a, it's like again the moral complexity of this is really interesting. Like he stole a horse, yeah. and that is a capital offense in in these times. That this is like honor culture stuff. Like people need their horses. So if yeah. you, uh, that's like if you take a, a man's horse, and their livelihood is completely threat so it, it starts with them just talking to each other and you can see that seth bullock is trying he's kind of he's a nice he's a nice guy he's giving him some water he's uh the, like the guy is being contrite and he's like oh if i could only get these last three days back yeah god i wish i could do that and he says you know i can imagine he's kind of consoling him yeah and, that, and then it, yeah, i love that actor by the way he, he does a great job of of I don't know, being sincere, like really regretting what he's done. And he starts trying to... But to also, the new, yeah, like playing, trying to play him a little yeah, bit too. Yeah, he starts trying to, to, to uh, like propose uh, a deal whereby Seth Bullock would let him leave. And w- yeah. in the course of this, we learn that Seth is, this is like his last night in town. Like he's leaving yep. to go to Deadwood to find his fortune. He doesn't want to be a cop anymore. Um, it's going to be this his last act as a sh- as a sheriff. Yeah. So you know they're they're doing this kind of small talk about, uh, and you can see that the the prisoner is is kind of he's trying to f- shore up the courage and also the strategy of like proposing a deal because <laughs> he knows that Sheriff Bullock is going to Deadwood and that Deadwood is this town with no laws, which he's uh, you know he's like God, I would love that. And he's, you know, so, but they're doing the small talk. And then he says to him, I'd like to suggest an idea to you, sir, that I pray as a Christian man that you will entertain on its own fucking merits. <laughs> That's just like, okay, this is going to be the language of the show. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, going to be like both just almost impossibly eloquent, but also just people are going to be saying Filthy. fucking and cocksucker and cunt and all of that constantly. And they're not insulting words, right? No. That's just how they talk. And there's something so beautiful and poetic about it. Yeah. What a, what a, yeah, you're right. The, the language of that, that trying to make a deal with Bullock yeah. is great. And also we, we get that Bullock is a man of few words. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm clearly a man of action. In a, a show with so much flowery language, Seth Bullock really is the sort of like Marlboro man here. Yeah. Um, he's, he's. Do you can you tell that he's full of anger from that first scene? Because he is, I think. I don't. 
I get a more kind, like kindly sense, like a very determined and almost Kantian kind of, this is my duty and I'm going to follow through with it. But I, did, I didn't get the temper because it's really Saul, his friend, who... Yeah. Um, a Jew a, on a wagon. A Jew on a wagon. <laughs> yeah. Saul Star played by... Uh, fuck, why am I blanking on his um, name? Uh, John Hawks. John Hawks, who's a great actor. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant is a is Yeah, he's eastbound and down. Uh, he's in Winter's Bone. He's great in Winter's Bone. Um, and then, of course, Timothy Oliphant from Justified, your favorite yeah. show. Yeah. Um, in, in a different tier, it's, a, it's, it's a, a, right, <laughs> but it's high on that tier, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so to go back to what you were saying, so the mob is out there. Uh, and I like what he says. You called the law. You don't get to call it off because you're liquored up and popular on payday. That's what Seth <laughs> says to so them. Great. Yeah, yeah. He's so great, and you learn that he's smart. Like in his the way that he what he's saying is very intelligent, and what he's doing is very intelligent. Like he's not just like a dumb. Got, like a dumb man of action, like a dumb Wild West guy. Right. Um, right. Right. No, um, he's, and, and again, it's like the complexity of it is like he's supposed to hang in the morning. That's clear. Like, and he's supposed to leave with Saul this night, uh, this, uh, that night to go to Deadwood and become like hardware salesman. So yeah. what do you do? Like, yeah. I, if, if we leave now, then he'll just get lynched by this mob, this drunken mob. And he doesn't, he thinks that's not right. But he's there's no way he's staying till the morning, so he decides to do an execution early. Yeah, and then he, you know, he asks, he asks him for his last words. Basically, he's like, "What would you have your sister? Um, like, what would you tell your sister?" And so he has he he writes it down, right? And his he has this. I think, and this is why I thought I caught anger is he looks really hatefully at the Samson is the guy who's who's trying to like lead the mob to lynch him. Yeah. Um, he really looks angrily at them. Yeah. But then his eyes are teared up, like yeah. just a little bit glassy from yeah. what he's having to do. And so he writes down the man's last words, which are just heart heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Just and, uh, <laughs> up till the last bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does he say at the very end? Well, no, for, he says uh, to give um, his son his boots. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think like he gets teary when he says "step forward," which means yeah. like "step forward" so you can get hanged. And then he goes, yeah. "Fuck <laughs> you!" to the mob. To the mob. That's right. <laughs> and and he he's worried. The guy is worried that he the fall isn't yeah uh, far enough. You know, because obviously if you're hanging, you need a, a good hanging is one in which the neck snaps and you die instantly. Yeah. A bad hanging is one of strangulation. Um, yeah. And he doesn't want to die that way. So he says, I'll help you with the fall. And I don't think the first time I saw it, I understood what that entailed. <laughs> I know. Like, it's, it's basically like he hangs and Seth Bullock just puts the weight of his entire body and pulls down until the neck breaks. Yeah, it just snaps um, his neck. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like that's a brutal thing to do, but also the right thing to do, I think, yeah. in this yeah. situation. <laughs> of the options. Yeah, yeah of the options. Yeah. 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 And so, like you said, we've learned in their conversation already the key point, which is that Deadwood is without law because it's on Indian land and there's gold, gold mm -hmm. there, um, which is, you know, sets the stage for the entire. We, ne we then see the line of wagons on the way to Deadwood. Um, yeah. And we first see Jane and Wild Bill, um, Wild Bill Hickok, who 
is in the show real you know seth bullock was a historical most people in the show are actual historical figures yeah um, and then there's some i think alma garrett isn't um brahm garrett also isn't but almost everybody else is based on a real figure yeah. and wild yeah. bill hickok is famous but like i'd never yeah. heard of alice Waringen or, or seth bullock before yeah, me but either. they were real. Um, and Calamity Jane, who's never yeah. called Calamity Jane in the series, I don't think. But no. um, yeah, but we meet her because she's with Wild Bill, and we immediately get the dynamic that's going on. In fact, yeah. the dynamic between Jay- Jane, Wild Bill, and then Charlie Utter, who we meet later on, um, is Jane is just kind of starstruck and kind of in love with Bill, or kind of just devoted. Like her, yeah. her heart is devoted to him. Yep. Um, so it's just slow and, you know, there's mud and... Yeah, there's a wagon that's broken down. Right. Um, so the whole line has stopped. And so Jane, who is always so gentle and sweet with Bill, but immediately removed Bill from the picture and she's just the most ornery, foul-mouthed foul woman yeah. ever. So she, after going to see Bill, who's lying down in the wagon, you get the sense he's hung over, she goes out and, and then she just yells, not really at anybody, but she just yells, it's only wild Bill. Bill Hickok, you got stalled here in the muck, <laughs> you ignorant fucking cunts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, also this really cool shot of the caravan going through the hill, which you don't really see this kind of shot uh, past the pilot that much. Like this yeah. real kind of long shot. And this episode was directed by Walter Hill, who's, you know, like a very well-known uh, film director. He did The Warriors. He did 48 Hours. And, you know, after this show, he like he he's no longer there and it's kind of more the HBO directors that yeah, take over. I didn't know that. Yeah, it does yeah. have a different feel to it. Yeah. Um and uh yeah. So Bullock and Saul roll in to town and they we see them talking to this is the first time we meet Dan Doherty who's going to play a, a huge role in the show. He's Alice Ware Engine's right-hand man and they're talking to him about renting a tent on the land and i take it i think deadwood was really brand new you know it didn't it didn't last long as a city i mean the land got annexed but but um it really was one of these boom towns and so a lot of people are in just these temporary tents and you know i think they learn quickly that there are some people who are in charge of the land of the city and so they they want to rent a tent so they can set up what they came there to do which is to sell hardware yeah Good, good old fashioned business. None, none of this sheriffing. Um, they, yeah. they've brought supplies. So they're selling like mining supplies, like boots and and latrines and all that kind of stuff. And Saul Star as the Jew seems yeah. like he's kind of built for this kind of merchant trading. You know <laughs> exactly. He, uh, he digs it. Yeah. But Seth Bullock is uh, is not, and um, yeah. Yeah, we get some great, some great like bit of awkwardness when when Bullock has to be the one sort of selling the wares. Yeah, that <laughs> comes, yeah. Um, Is it now that you have the great scene between Al and Ellsworth? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it's my a great, god! And and it's also great. So Ian McShane uh, as Alice Warrington is hands down, I think one of the best performances I've ever seen. I, I put it right up there as the Tony Soprano. Like yeah. he is amazing. I love how they set the stage, you know, so Ian McShane is British. Um, they set the stage early on by calling him a limey uh, 
cocksucker <laughs> Ellsworth. Yeah. 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 He says, without Limey accent of yours, is the rumor true that you're a descendant of British nobility? And he says, I'm descended from all, all them cocksuckers. All them cocksuckers. <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> Just so like, like if you're not all in on the show by then. And then oh, there's absolutely. also another great Ellsworth line that follows. But Yeah, like, Ellsworth says he's beholden to no cocksucker. He's like, well, here's to you, your majesty. I'll tell you what, I may have fucked up my life flatter than hammered shit, but I stand here before you beholden to no human cocksucker. <laughs> no human cocksucker. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and Ellsworth is just a great character, too. He's just like a good-hearted guy. Yeah, um, and you get the sense here for Al also. Like, Al likes Ellsworth. He's he's being, respectful. Yeah, yeah, he's pouring him whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, so that's our introduction to Al. He has, you know, this is weird to say, but in this scene, like, his stri- he has just striking appearance. Like, he yeah. has these piercing dark eyes that that really you feel like if you were there he'd be seeing right into your soul like it's yeah it's yeah it's 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 a ama- it's an amazing performance it's, do you know ian mcshane like i yeah uh, i'm i don't i think i saw i i watched him in american gods and he was very good in in at least in the first season of that um, i i didn't know him before this certainly he was in sexy beast he, he played oh. a kind of a supporting role but he was like the the kind of the ringleader of the he was like the mob boss of uh, uh, yeah. that was planning the the heist but that's right that's all i really knew him from before i saw this yeah um so when when ellsworth says that wonderful thing that he's working a paying gold claim that not the U.S. government saying I'm trespassing or the savage fucking red man himself or any of these limber dick cocksuckers passing themselves off as prospectors had better try and stop me. And Al says, they better not try it in here. Yeah. And I love this line where Ellsworth says, God damn it, swear engine. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you, but I enjoy the way you lie. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, but, and it's funny because like, is I, I don't get the sense that Al is lying there you know like no but i think it's an important thing that that we that it sets the stage for so he calls them you conniving heavy thumbed motherfucker because what he just did was he he gave al the gold that he had prospected and uh so al weighs it and gives him money and credit (laughs) in the bar so so it's kind of like ellsworth knows that he he should be wary as a yeah. you know what what's the heavy thumbed thing meaning do you like he put the thumb on the scale thumb on the scale yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. The, yeah exactly yeah i never actually <laughs> uh connected that but that's right you're right and um and so this is where we get like a first major plot point we hear a gunshot and it turns out that so so al is the owner of a saloon the gem saloon um and there they have gambling and they have women and one of the uh, prostitutes that works at the gem saloon turns out she shot one of the tricks that that uh, she was servicing. So we run up there. We hear the he gunshot was beating on her. Beating. He was beating on her, and she shot him in the head. And so we get this scene of him shot in the head, um, still talking though. Yeah. Like giving an address, I think, uh, of who to tell if if he doesn't make it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of creepy to see the big hole in his head while he's still talking. The whole scene is like very creepy in that way, you know, like yeah. like even after he dies, um, yeah. when the doc comes there, and yeah, this is obviously like a really bad thing for business if the, yeah. if the guys have to worry that you know if they get a little rough with the women that they'll be <laughs> they, shot. Yeah, what do what's what are they paying for if, <laughs> if not that? Um, you also get a sense that Trixie's like she's not to be fucked with, you know, yeah. not like that. Yeah, so we meet Doc here. 
because Doc comes in. And he, Doc, I think, and there's the obvious like great performances in this, but I think Doc might be my favorite character in the whole show. Yeah. Um, Doc is fascinated that the guy got shot through the front of his brain. <laughs> he's like yeah. more, he's more fast. He, he sits there until the guy dies, but he really is curious about, about how he survived the shot to the head. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to say about Doc in this scene is he's a little different, I feel like, in this scene than he is in the rest of the series. Like, he has these, like, f- these lines about, like, you know, first he's talking about the brain and how that's interesting, and that's what he would say. But then at the end he goes, won't matter to woo's pigs, and he kind of <laughs> stares at the camera. It's just, like, not a, a, a line that I associate with Doc in the rest of the show, Doc Cochran. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it wasn't well developed yet, like how he was going to be. I think um, I think that's right. Like, and then they realized, all right, he's 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 a little less. There was something, oh, you know, startling and creepy about. That, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cru- cruel. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's not cruel. Like his ethics, are, his code is strong, and he's one of the only people who can tell anybody in town whatever whatever right. he wants to tell them because he has um, leverage you know there's yeah. nobody else that does what he does and they yeah. need him yeah exactly um and so okay this is when we see uh bill and charlie roll into the hotel wait 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 uh there's a scene that i think you missed here which is they're on the road and you see the minnesota people yeah right and so... and you get this like jane and charlie antagonism like uh, she's yelling at Charlie and then Bill's like, I think she likes you more. I think she likes me more than you. And <laughs> yes. Like, yes, uh, a- absolutely. That's right. And um, then, uh, <laughs> then they see this family from Minnesota and Jane asks if, uh, uh, if there's a back way into Deadwood cause they're all stuck. And the woman goes, we don't go to the camp. We go home back to Minnesota. <laughs> back to Minnesota. <laughs> and then there's yeah. Jane winks at w- this blonde girl. Chekhov's yeah. jeans wink to a blonde <laughs> girl. And so so this is when they roll into the hotel and we meet Evie for the first time? Or is this the scene where Seth and Saul are... Um, oh, they're unloading their wagon. Do you want? Do you, do you have anything to say about the unloading the wagon? Scene? Yeah, because this guy is like an asshole in front of, uh, like you know, they're unloading their wagon, and they ha- it takes time to do that. And so a guy comes up and he tells them to like move along, and you see that immediately Bullock <laughs> is like wants to f- like fight the guy. And just like that straight ahead energy that you were talking about earlier. And uh, <laughs> Saul, on the other hand, just gives him like <laughs> a pot. Yeah, the commode to, to shit in. And the guy's like, well, I don't, you know, like, but then he's like, oh, this would be a pretty good commode. Yeah, he's in. like, I'm not going to pay for that. And he's like, no, yeah. no, that's free from Star yeah. and Bullock Hardware. Open in Deadwood as soon as we locate. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> so, like, like it, it promotes the shop. And you really, it's a perfect encapsulation of their characters, which, like, you know, like, that's Seth is always going to be quick to rile up and um and Saul is going to try to figure out some kind of nice compromise that makes everybody happy and that uh, but without being a pussy like he's yeah. you know we already saw him pull a shotgun in the opening on the the mob you know yeah. so he's not but he's just not like he'd rather work it out than fight yep and throughout the series we see that he's definitely not a pussy he just yeah. he knows that he's not like Fighting's not in him. That's not his personality. He's That's not, not a badass. His role. He's not yeah. a badass. He doesn't try to be. 
But when it comes, when, you know, shit hits the fan and it comes to like standing up for your friends, like Saul is always, is always there. Yeah. And they see, uh, and they see Wild Bill and Charlie riding past. And this is yeah. where Saul says, you see that? That's Wild Bill. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him in photographs. And uh, so Wild Bill was already larger than life. And, and I'll, I'll say here, the actor who plays Wild Bill, whose name I don't have in front of me. Keith does Carradine. Does an amazing, yeah. Carrie, Keith Carradine. He does an amazing job. Um, yeah. He just has this presence yeah. that it's hard to understand why uh, something like it, it's he's tall he has this amazing posture and yeah. like wears he's, cool clothes has this flowing long hair but also like a kind of heaviness and a depression like that kind of weighted yeah. down by life <laughs> exactly uh, like he's uh, lived a lot in yeah. his in his years on earth yeah yeah so they go and, the, and we're going to meet e, EB. At least in my notes, I have the Al's Trixie scene in the middle where. Yeah, this is where it happens. This is where he beats Trixie right after yeah. this. Um, so he beats Trixie. This is a hard scene to watch, it's of course, hard scene. because um, he's almost being like a. It's creepy because he's being like a parent who has to punish their child. Like, yeah. he, I don't want to do this, but you know, it has to happen. And, and so. Uh, she says, do what you got to do to me. And he says, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And throws her against the wall. And, he, and then he's like, but he has his boot on her throat. Yeah. And, and this is of course our introduction to Al right after he was charming with Ellsworth. Yeah. And this is, I think this sets the stage for me thinking, oh, this is the bad guy. Yeah. Like this is just the bad guy. Um, and it's amazing because so, you're going to come to love Al, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Um, in part because they're going to introduce people who are who make Al look like a saint. <laughs> in part, yeah. I mean, and in part, I think his he becomes a better person as, like, uh, I heard this interview with Milch. Uh, I think you saw it, too. The Keith Carradine interviewing Milch. Yeah. And he has a line where it's like, you don't think better to act better. You act, it's, uh, th I'm, I'm butchering the line, but it's something like, you don't like uh, improve your thinking to act better. You improve your acting to think better. And huh. I think that is Al, like that captures Al. It's like, he's not, like he doesn't reason his way to being a better person. He just starts in his own interest. He starts doing things for other people more. Yeah. And then it becomes like this intrinsic virtue for him like he, he that he enjoys for its own sake rather than even though it started as for a larger purpose. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that's a great way of saying it because it's there are times where um, Al seems to find himself doing the good thing or the yeah. right thing. And it's almost like he's surprising himself. Yep. Um, but but he is growing. And I think as I don't know. It's kind of like being a parent. Your responsibilities grow as your family grows. Yeah. And the, exactly. the good part was in him, you know? Yeah. Like you just said, like, it's not that you've convinced yourself that being selfish was wrong. It's that you just start acting for the interests of the people <laughs> right. you care about. And that, yeah. that does change you. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. A, there's a real lesson in that, that I think this show is on to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like a cent central to this show is that arc. And yeah. so like I hadn't really thought of it th of, of it that way. Yeah. Um so here we get so here we get Charlie uh, and Bill checking into the hotel. Uh, and and <laughs> I can't there is something about EB that I love so much, but he's but but like he's just he's a character <laughs> like no other. And when he says 
uh, when he shakes Charlie's hand, yeah, and Charlie, who is just like absolute mensch, says, yeah. "You got some mighty, <laughs> mighty clammy hands there, partner." Yeah. And he goes, "Damn, palms running my family." Yeah. <laughs> that to me encapsulates Eb. Yeah. Like yeah. he, of course, he has clammy hands. Yeah, that of is the perfect physical quality that, in every way, <laughs> expresses who he is at the, in the depths yeah. of his soul. Uh, and he's such a great character. I mean, like, I, I, I think he must so have uh, made both of our lists in the top oh, five. Uh, for sure. Like, yeah. he, the performance he gives. So, uh, Charlie wants to get two different rooms. EB says, sure, except for I can't do it tonight unless you kill one like, of the guests, which yeah. is just the wrong joke to be making to Bill. Because Bill, I think, already has a reputation and he has, he has numbers. You know, he has yeah. notches on his belt. Yeah. Um, so and everybody a warrant out this. for him in Cheyenne. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so yeah. So they, they have to share a, a room. Um, for now. For now. Yeah. So then I think we go and we see Al, EB, and Johnny are in Al's office, which yeah. is where, where Al does all his machinations. And Al is worried that maybe Wild Bill is here to to be a sheriff, right? Yeah. There's no sheriff in the town. So he, so he has, asks him, does he have lawman ambitions? And he says, I don't think so. Um, right. He, he, he didn't say anything about it. Um, but of course Al is worried because a sheriff coming into town would fuck up his flow. Yeah. And then what does he say? He says something like, like I would have asked further, but he would have killed me. Like I got the sense he would have killed <laughs> yeah, me. That's, that's just not right. true. <laughs> yeah. Evie, weirdly, like it doesn't matter. Like he's sort of trying right. to save face. Yeah, because because he saw that Al was disappointed that he didn't have more information about Bill. Right, and so 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 he says, as far as Hickok, if I had pushed him any harder, I was afraid he'd shoot me. Yeah, and like yeah, right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> and and <laughs> like it never works. Like he is like he has this like dignity, this kind of wounded yeah. pride that he sometimes tries to assert himself, but it never works. It just makes, like, I don't think it worsens their opinion of him, but it definitely doesn't it improve definitely it doesn't either. Work. And they it's barely right even, him. like, acknowledge that he says the things when he says right. something like that, you know? <laughs> this is a, uh, a culture and a time period where, um, and this is what I loved hearing Milch talk about this, where your words really mattered right. a lot because yeah. it could be that what you said would get you killed. Right. So it's not as if what EB is saying is out of the question. It's just, you know, it's not an unrealistic like it would be nowadays, um, but he's obviously like exaggerating what happened. There. And he's already, he's already said stuff that makes it so that nobody will take him seriously. And that's the yeah. thing that, you know, he always wants to try to get people to take him seriously and they never do. Yeah. Because, Deep insecurity. He yeah. reeks of insecurity. Yep. Right. About this thing about like language, that is such a yeah. central theme in the show, and people will do all sorts of things to be able to just express themselves yeah. in uh, in language. You know, like yeah. they will talk, they will figure out ways to talk to themselves or talk to some artifact, um, yeah. as we'll see later. And oh, the, that, the, yeah, the that's goal the of it that... is to be able to express yourself. It's like how, that's how you find out what you think and what the right play is and it is through the yep. process of speaking and language it's such an interesting aspect of the yeah show. he's he's he milch is doing something like that's he's pointing to this deep human universal about the importance of language but he's also using this historical time place as a way to is a is a time and a place where as he said 
um, the way it was your currency if you could use your words right like yeah. it's not like people went around shooting everybody and he uh, um, and he said a lot of the people in that time period if they were educated they would have been educated by reading these like victorian novels and stuff so they would have used flowery language yeah and whoever could speak uh most persuasively would acquire power through that so yeah. so the language just mattered deeply and as you say we get all of these amazing scenes and i have a theory that i will wait to reveal about what's going on um what milch is trying to tell us by having all these people talk to essentially no one yeah. or no one you know they're they're talking to themselves even when others are present in some cases like when al's getting head yeah. um <laughs> uh when there's a literal head <laughs> <laughs> or when he's just getting his dick sucked um yeah but like that that scene which comes much later in the series but like he is literally doing it so that he can express himself without seeming i don't know like to, it's not that he wants her opinion or anything like no, that not at all right it's just he needs a situation that allows him to speak like <laughs> that, that's exactly right like he's he's um he's using her as an audience yeah. um but it, but she can't fuck up the rhythm, or else he'll get mad. <laughs> the, the, the can't talk. I mean, this is one of the like, uh, you know, again, like that's an ugly thing in in one sense. And yeah. so, so Alice tells Eb to go get Driscoll. We'll find out who who that is um, in a bit. Um, and this is, I think, where Saul and Seth uh, start selling their wares uh, yeah, out yeah, in front yeah. of their tent. And we get another. So they start, you know, saying like whatever uh, boots five bucks like come get it this is where uh saul has is trying to convince seth like seth just doesn't feel comfortable being a salesperson like he's, right. he's and he's like why do you think just because it's like it makes it it seems like these other people are beneath him having to like pander to them or something like that that's a good question i didn't think of it that way i thought that he just didn't feel comfortable because yeah. he's not a man of words and it's like a weirdly mm. vulnerable kind of, of thing to do. Right. Um, yeah. But I do think. Sell, yeah. sell, be, like if you've ever been like had a job where you have to sell something yeah. like that's a very you're in a vulnerable situ- position. And, and I don't think he likes that. I think that's yeah. right. Like when we do ads. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, right. And so he tries to convince them like, look, these are these are uh, we're selling good stuff at a fair price with just some markup because like yeah. we took the risk to bring him here. And so like, this is like, everybody wins. He's trying to convince him. And so, yeah. so they go out and he does, start, he starts off speaking very quietly and yeah. then um, he and picks then it he up gets, though. Yeah. He picks it up. But I do think there's something to what you just said that it's beneath him. He, this guy was a sheriff, right? Like it's, there is some dignity that you lose, not because sales is inherently like a bad thing to do, it does feel like, like you said, it does feel like when, when you're selling. They have the, the power, you know, yeah. like you, they right. know that you need to sell the things for your money. Like I've had jobs where I get like the, it's just that the job is to sell stuff and you, your pay is commission off the sales. And yeah. so like, that's a really tough situation. And you're like, why the fuck am I like having to like put myself like this person has is now in charge of my destiny. Like that's yeah. fucking bullshit. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not what, from coming from being a sheriff where you dictate to everybody what they're supposed to do. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, but so he I, actually I think, like has some good lines in the scene. Like, you know, if you yeah, get this. And I think what's going on in his mind is like, no, I, I am, 
I chose to leave yeah. the profession of being a sheriff because right. I didn't. I don't think that's good in my life, and so I want to do this. So he's having to psych himself right. up, yeah, um, in order to to do this. He's putting himself out there, and you do get this sense that he's put him put himself out there with this right. new. Yeah, new endeavor, and, and and the same thing he says to that mob guy, right? Like you don't get to call the law in and then just decide to like you don't want it yeah. anymore because you're all liquored up and popular on payday. Like he doesn't get to now say that he's above being like a Jew merchant, you know? That's right. Like That's right. Uh, he's, because he's he committed the- to this. He's in the trenches with the Jews now. Like he has <laughs> exactly. <to be. laughs> One thing that's really interesting about this scene, you get you get the sense that Saul and Seth are friends. And yeah. this, like, it becomes explicit. The Reverend will say that later. Yeah. But I also think, like, you could divide the show up into people who have friends and people who don't. And that's a very different dynamic, you know. And sometimes you start out not having a friend and, and then you have a friend and then that's such a big thing. But, like, the people who have friends, it's just such a buffer against all the things that uh, Deadwood can throw at you. And so it's, it sucks being isolated, um, in yeah, that way. You're right. I That's a deep theme. I hadn't thought of it. It's a really deep theme because the friendships that are created throughout the show, some unexpected, really bring... Yeah. Bring people... They, they get people from being miserable to like being able to handle like life. Um, it is... And it's something that the Reverend says yeah. in that scene. like Having uh, friends is wonderful. It, yeah, it's wonderful. I love the Reverend too. That guy does an extraordinary performance as well. Like these uh-huh. people are just acting the shit out of everything. Yeah. Like I, I think top to bottom, the performances on this show, I mean, I guess like Sopranos and The Wire also had like iconic performances from like, you know, like up to 10 cast members or something. But these yeah. are just so down the line of such high quality with like no weak links. It's just like, I don't understand it. Yeah. I, it's there is no as you said there's no junior um, there's no AJ in, yeah. in Deadwood there's no bad performance um, let's talk about what what's going on with the whole Garrett Driscoll yeah. and Al thing because rather than go through um, each scene I like this is something that confused me maybe the first few times I watched it because yeah. you really have to there's a deal that's going down right. and Al is playing a role but it's unclear. Right. Uh, what role he's playing. Yeah. You get the sense right away there's a scam. There is this guy from New York, Brom Garrett, who is a rube. He is out of his element. Yeah. <laughs> he is... He's, he's the mark. He's the mark, and he plays the part of the mark perfectly. <laughs> like, they've clearly, before this scene, they have um, planted some gold on this plot of land where uh, they knew he would go and find it. They didn't tell him explicitly to go look f- and, and check out the plot, um, but it's clear that they hinted, you know, that yeah. uh, there there might be something there and that Dan Doherty, who's been shepherding all of this, is a part of. And so he comes there with this big block of gold thinking, okay, I got to I gotta buy this land because this yeah. is just going to be like hemorrhaging money. For- yeah, he's like, you could just scooping it from the river, literally, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Then there's this guy, Tim Driscoll, who... And I'm not even sure about the answer to this question. Does he own? The yeah. Land? So I think I think what's what's going on is Driscoll owns the claim, 
it's unclear how people even got the claims. I think if you just worked it, maybe it was like squatter. Yeah. Um, because Al is the power who's control. You know, Al can pretty much say who owns the land. I think. Yeah. Um, but but Al is using him to try to make the Rube, the New York dude, pay a lot of money to buy that land. And right. Which they dime. think at this point is worthless. It'll it's turn out not exactly. to be worthless, but yeah, they think exactly. it's worthless. Yeah. So, uh, so Tim Driscoll, the Irish guy who is drunk, has to go negotiate with a New York guy. Um, and so this is where it gets confusing. Where <laughs> There's a line where right before he comes <laughs> in and uh, Al, who's playing this part, he's like, oh, my God, there's Tim Driscoll. He is shit-faced. And Brahm's like, my God, he is shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, I'm getting in with the locals here. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. He's so awesome. He's so out of his element. Yeah, he's, he, he is clearly an East Coast guy who's like – who who is a rich you know he has a rich family he's a fail son though (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) he's using his daddy's money Um, my god uh, he is shit face (laughs) (laughs) so he makes a deal to buy the plot from driscoll at fourteen thousand dollars and so they make a deal. He has to spit in his hand. He doesn't know what it even means to spit in your hand, but he, 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 yeah. goes, he goes through the motion of making a deal. They both spit in their hand, shake hands. Uh, Al says, witnessed, purchased, whatever. Um, and this is where it gets unclear to me. Uh, Farnham is supposed to play a role. He comes in, and I think he was supposed to drive the price up, right? I, so from what happens later in the episode, it doesn't seem like he was supposed to do that. But you're right. This is confusing. Why was he there? If he wasn't supposed to do that, why is was he there at all? Yeah. So did he, just his presence, give Driscoll the idea of trying to get him up to 20? Well, he makes, he comes in and makes an offer. And he says, you know, am I too late? And he <sighs> says, yeah, I just sold it to this guy for 14. So maybe that's says, what it was. He he wants I, to. He's supposed to make uh, Garrett feel good about the purchase. Yeah, or or he got there. Actually, got there late and was supposed to make a higher offer so that New York would make the New York dude would make a higher offer. But it seems like Al wanted it to be fourteen thousand dollars. From what happens later in the episode, that's the sense you get. So I thought that. I thought that Al wanted the price to go up, um, but EB was supposed to come in and make a different offer. I think because he didn't get mad at EB for for making it for 16000 He got mad at Driscoll for trying to raise it at all. And and when you watch the scene, like Al is like, no, we have a deal already. Now it's true that he's like, you idiot. Like the first few times I saw this, I thought Al just wanted it to get up to 20 because why yeah. not? But right. then you get the sense in the later scenes that Al doesn't want that because he thinks it'll bring in the Pinkertons from New York if they sell it for too high a price. And so... Plus, yeah, so I think, I think that what's happening is because from a later scene where he... He EB is trying to explain to him. Uh, he's trying to defend his actions um, for having n- not not used the right number that I think Al had instructed him to use. Because I think the fear was that if it went over twenty, 
then he would have to wire for money and that's when the Pinkertons would get involved. But get him but to get him just up to 20. I don't think so because he says, here's the line. I'll tell you, Al, you could have knocked me over with a feather when he bid up. Did you see me staying on the path? Which isn't true, but when he says when he bid what up, was the path? nobody ever bid up over $20,000. No, and but what was the path that he was supposed to? What was he I think to- he was like, I just thought of this because I've always been confused by this, but I think his he was supposed to be there and be like, oh, is it too late to offer it? And then it was like, too late. We already sealed the deal. And then now Brom Garrett feels like, uh, oh, I just, I, just, I just beat this guy. And so, uh, you know, he can be happy about it. No need to contact anybody. No need to tell anybody. Because it's $14,000 of like worthless land as far as they're concerned right now. And that's fine. But if you go too high, this shows Al's like long-term thinking, then you're going to bring in a lot of shit, which turns out to be true. Yeah. So, so the role was just to make him feel good, but I think so. Yeah. By, by coming in and offering more money though. That's right. Like, just make him satisfied so that he could go back to Alma and be like, ho, ho, ho. Like, I narrowly. Yeah, exactly. Which he ends up doing anyway, but, you know, they went too high. That's why Driscoll gets killed is because Because he he real Yeah, so what happens is he reopens negotiations because Evie comes in and says another number that's higher. And Driscoll is, like, drunk, and he's like, oh, cool. Let's see how high I can actually get Mm -hmm. it. And that's what's playing with fire because Al knows that if it gets too high, then he's going to have to go to new, get to his daddy in New York yeah. um, and get more money. And that will raise the alarms. So Driscoll gets killed for this. like yeah, um, Later for, in the episode. Yeah, yeah. later in the episode for, for doing that. Okay, yeah. it is confusing. It is. <laughs> it's very confusing. It's also not clear to me still who owned, does Al Swearingen own the land? Does Jim Driscoll, does nobody own the land? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. now Brom Gary. <laughs> From Garrett will be able to use his gold mining skills to scoop it out of the river. He just yeah. came out for like for an adventure, right? Yeah. Like he brought his wife out for for like an adventure, and you, it's just like a, a like kind of pitiful the whole time. Just oh like, god! <laughs> it's so it's funny, but you feel bad for him because like I would probably be like that, you know. And it's sad because he's dragged his wife, who already seems way, you know, she's like a laudamin addict, which is essentially like heroin, right? It's opium, yeah. Um, it's tincture of opium, like in alcohol. Yeah, but like when he goes back to her and is like, banish all headaches, spit in your hand, Alma, and then like is telling her about the story. He's like, you should have been there. And she has this line like, yes, I've already begun to imagine it. And you know that she already knows that he got conned. Like, you know, it's... it's uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's clearly more savvy than him, but she's like dulling herself. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. you know. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, but before that, there's a scene at Tom's bar. Yeah, not all. Uh, uh, Bill Bill wants to play. He wants to get in a poker game, so yeah. so he he gets back to playing poker. You're already seeing Charlie being uncomfortable with Bill playing poker because yeah. the whole plan, uh, as we find out, is for Bill to come and work a claim and make some money for this wife that he his new wife, yeah. um, and then bring her out. And but day one, he's back to gambling, yeah. uh, drinking and gambling, and. Nuttall uh, has, you know, he's like kind of a sweet guy. He's, he's totally, he's, yeah. He's not maybe not the sharpest guy, but he's he's uh, he has a good he's heart. Straight, he, yeah, yeah. And he's starstruck by Wild Bill being in his bar, but he's very respectful. He says, "I'm not going to say your name because out of respect, but I know who you are." 
And when when Bill goes to play poker, he tries to make a deal with with Charlie to get Bill to play exclusively at his bar. Right, just yeah. his presence he knows will bring people in. Yeah, and um, and you get you get Charlie Utter's heart here too, where Charlie's like trying to like figure out whether or not like this is a good thing to do because he doesn't want Bill to start gambling a lot, but on the other hand, he needs money. So yeah. maybe he can work out a deal, but he makes it very clear that the money wouldn't go, none of the money would go to him. It would only go to his family because he's in this predicament where he has to yeah. watch out for Bill's family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is another case where you have friends, you know, and yeah. like they're clearly such good friends. And, you know, what happens to Bill later is going to like hollow, is going to remove that. And that's like yeah, a, a kind of... leaves a hole. Leaves yeah. a hole, yeah. Um, by the way, one of the things I wanted to say was, one of my favorite lines too was when when Bram goes and tells Alma he's like spit in your hand yeah. and so she does it and he's like that's the way they make a deal and she just yeah. very dryly says does everyone dry their hands afterwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he says I'll have to because he went up to 20,000 I'll have to write the bank to renew my credit of course yeah. they'll contact father <laughs> <laughs> anybody who calls their dad father is and, and then she's <laughs> like well that's inevitable like she just uh, knows like she she's known how this was going to play out like lo- like before they left New York you know right you right. don't know what you find out later why she's with this uh, Rude, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's a, there is a scene. You know, when when that scene happens, where he's getting up to work the gold claim, he's getting all dressed, and he looks <laughs> yeah. at her. She's sleeping in bed. Pretending she was to fake be sleeping, right? Yeah, 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 she was pretending to be asleep, and he's kind of, kind of sad. Yeah. That, you know, he wants her to see him like ready to go work the claim, prospecting. And, like, <laughs> like, look at all me and my prospecting gear. <laughs> And she's just, she's just like faking being asleep. But I think I see in him that he's sad, not just because she's not going to see him and do like doing this great thing, but also that she's an addict. Like he knows that she's an yes, addict and she's that's right. sleeping a lot because Definitely. she's high. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. makes me think I should have taken some more Kratom before. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. That's how you think of me. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's- I'm sadly, you're like, <laughs> go out, you know, and you're like psychologist uh, <laughs> outfit. <laughs> And meanwhile, I'm just like like chewing on like edibles and like snorting out the last of the kratom and um, like licking uh, the, like the last bit of bourbon. So uh, one of the things I'm struck by is is how many characters we meet in this episode, which yeah. is by the way shorter than how long we've been recording. <laughs> but but that um, was inevitable. Yeah, we we meet Wu uh, very briefly because Doc takes the body. To so Wu is is the the Al of the Chinese section of the town, right? He's like yeah. the the boss. We don't know much about him yet, but we do know that he owns pigs, and that if you want to get rid of a body in Deadwood, you feed yeah. him to Wu's pigs. Yeah. And so so the doc, you're right. It's a little different. Like the doc in later later on wouldn't be the one taking bodies to Wu. No, um, definitely not. Right? Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. Uh, there is this one thing in the bar that I don't think we noted. But speaking of meeting people, is oh, yeah. we meet Jack McCall, yeah. and, and like uh, this isn't a spoiler. Jack McCall, like I think anybody who follows like the West is is someone who shot Wild Bill Hickok. No, and in fact, I think weirdly this is a case where it helps you to know the historical yeah. uh, facts because he's. It, he's being very creepy knowing that that's the guy that's the fucking guy who's gonna take out yep, wild bill exactly. like 
Jesus. Like he's he's just a nothing and he's an insecure nothing. Yeah, what um, does he say? He has a line. Uh, this is the moment uh, Bill walks into the bar and he says, let me say one thing before anybody opens their mouths. I'm going to say no more on the subject and I'll be through for the fucking evening. I'm not impressed. You know? <laughs> like... And obviously, like, this is not the kind of guy who's going to say no more on the <laughs> subject, no matter what the subject is. Like, he's just this insecure. He's like the dark side of E.B. He's like if E.B. was actually, like, instead of being harmless and kind of pathetic, was actually right. somebody, you know, like. Right. That, if he had like, some violence in him. Right. Like, or yeah. Because um, he's also repulsive and, like, yeah. you know, he has that kind of just repulsive and, like, palpable insecurity that, like, vibrates off of him. Yeah. One of the things we didn't and mention resentment. about E.B. is, is E.B.'s uh, outfits are hilarious, <laughs> right? He's, he's always trying to, dr like, dress like some weird—he looks like a vampire, but, like, some weird upper-class— but, yeah. but they're dirty and, like, have yeah. holes in them, like his clothes. <laughs> it's, it's so um, great. Yeah. yeah, like every aspect of the show, the set designs, the costumes, like every oh, so aspect good. of this show is just yeah. so great. So this is where we get the scene with Driscoll and Al, where Al gets, um, where they're, you know, oh, they're like yeah. wrapping up <laughs> the, the deal. Yeah, um, it's incredible. So he says, so Al is clearly, uh, they had a deal um, that Driscoll would get 30%. I think you're, I think you're right. I think this must have been, Al's land and he was using Driscoll um, to sell it or something like that. So, so the deal was that, he, that Driscoll was going to get 30% of, of the money and yeah. Driscoll, I think this is the fatal flaw. Like he has the balls to ask for 30% of 20,000 20. yeah. uh, when their deal was to sell it for 14,000 and drunk Driscoll had yeah. reopened the negotiations and gotten it up to 20 and he dares to ask for 30% of 20. Yeah. And, uh, and Al says, no, what's 30% of 14? He's like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah. who told you to take him to 20? And, uh, so he's get basically just gets intimidated by Al. He says, fuck, I, well, I didn't know you could have said something. He says, fine. Okay. Okay. 4,200. Like, just give me that. And then, uh, Al is just stone cold. And so Driscoll's like, well, fine. What do you suggest? Right? Like if he's, if you're not happy giving me the 30% of the original, uh, agreed upon. And, uh, uh, sorry, Al says, what do you suggest? And he's like, fuck, I don't know. Like, if I knew you were going to be in this kind of mood, I just wouldn't have come up here. He's like, let me just have like 500 in yeah. cash and we'll talk about this whole fucking thing later. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Al says, fine, what do you want? Cash or credit at the tables? Yeah. This guy is in, to, he's already in to Al for, for whoever knows how much. So Al says, like, are we holding markers against this guy? Yeah. And, uh, yep. So <laughs> finally he's like, fine, okay. Like, just give me credit against the fucking markers. Just let me hold twenty dollars. That's so, <laughs> God, so. I sad. actually feel bad for him, you know, because he just gets he goes and down a piece from of like, pussy. like eight thousand. Th yeah, and a piece of fucking pussy. <laughs> uh, twenty dollars yeah. and a piece of fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and then E.B. says, "Like I tell you, Al, you kind of knocked me over with a feather when he bit up, which is just <laughs> so not true." But uh, and and again, like Al just looks just, at him, like yeah. Uh, yeah, Al's Al a couple times just looks at people and they know they already know it's a it's a great introduction to to the power he has yep. um, in this town. Um, uh, all right, here's where we meet the Reverend um, uh. who's talking to to Saul and um, to to Seth, 
um, and they make a deal to for the reverend to watch their tent at night, which makes sense, right? Like you're in a tent, there's no locks or anything, so and they have all of their merchandise, so they need somebody to watch it. We don't even know he's a reverend, but he agrees. He's this just really meek sort of guy, um, sort of soft-spoken. He's um, meek, but not. He also will stand up for like he's not scared of people. Yeah, he's not meek in the bad way. He's just sort of like a soft-spoken. Um, and he's and gentle. We, yeah, he's gentle. That's the right word. Um, and so we find out that yeah, he's working something during the day, and then at night he watches merchandises, and then on Sabbath he preaches Christ. <laughs> he preaches Christ dead and resurrected. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh. <laughs> That sort of weirds them out. And he um, says, like, the Lord is our, uh, when he sees that Seth and um, and Saul are friends, he says, the Lord is our final comfort, but it's a solace having friends. Oh, God. And then he says, like, I, I know from previous experience or something like that. So he's, he's he you know, he's sort of admitting there that he's alone here. Yeah. But that yeah. he knows what, and he's so sweet and positive about everything. They tell, like Saul tells him, he's from Vienna, and he's like, "Wow, it's it's wonderful where people come from." You know, yeah. like, <laughs> he wants friends. Like he exudes this like desire to have a human connection, but nobody's yeah. really giving it. To, like all of these people in this town have come here. Uh, they're either coming to seek their own wealth, like to you know, it, it, that gold is going to attract like the scum of the earth, yeah. or the people who are engaging in hospitality for the scum of the earth, right? <laughs> right. So there's not and a lot of They're not coming people. here for religion. <laughs> no, there's not, there's not a lot of people yeah. <laughs> who are going to like reach out in friendship to him. Um, so yeah. But uh, in the end, like, you know, I think that he does have a community of people who care for him, including well, one of the one of the nice things that you even see, I love about uh, Saul Starr um, and, and the actor's performance is when he talks to the reverend, he has this kindness on his face too. Yeah. And I think that the reverend from that point on really believes that Saul and yeah. Seth are his friends. Yeah. And um, and Bullock can get more impatient with him, but yeah. also can change. And this is, I think, a good part of Oliphant's performance. Like he can change to that kind. Like he, he, he doesn't, like he gets mad at himself if he snaps <laughs> yeah. at the reverend, you know, he's like, right. you know. Right. Um, yeah, he, yeah. Patience is not a, a virtue that Seth Bullock has. <laughs> No. Um, so yeah. then they all see uh this is where the uh Mason, right? Ned Mason uh, uh rides in and announces to everybody that he saw a massacre um of white people on the on the road and yeah. that 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 a, f- a whole family was was killed, they were scalped and they there were like pieces Sioux. of their body everywhere. Yeah, he's saying that the Sioux the Sioux which is what land they're on. Um, yeah, <laughs> like their land. The reverend happens to remember that the family that he's referring to, he's like, where were they going? And he says the name of the road, which I forgot. And he says, I know that family, the Metz family. And he says, yeah, there was, there was two, there was the family and the two kids were killed too. And he says, oh, they were three kids. Yeah. And, um, and so this is how, this is what causes the people of the camp, including uh, Seth and and Saul to ride out, want to ride out that night because that it's at nighttime. They want to ride out that night to see if this yeah. other little girl, the, the third kid, is alive. 
the and guy once he reacts to the news that there was a third kid yeah. once uh Ned Mason reacts to it Bullock already knows just in that first interaction yep. and then he says you probably need a drink and he takes him to the bar where Wild Bill is cuz he wants uh Wild Bill to come out with him to uh like he's already he's oh, already he's playing not, that he's game. already planning that I um, think so yeah it did, you do notice that Saul when they take him to the bar um uh Saul is he doesn't want to ride out that night. He's like, no, I'm going to stay tonight. And, and Saul uses the public forum yeah. as a way to like say very loudly, he's like, you mean you saw a whole family massacred? There might be a little girl out there and you don't want to ride out tonight? Yeah. And of course that, that gets, uh, yeah. Bill agrees to ride out. Um, and this is where we meet. I think this is where we meet Merritt. Is Merritt? This yeah. is where, like, there's a scene before they get there yeah. um, where we meet Merrick. And this is also the next interaction between Jack McCall and, uh, and Wild Bill. The outdrew. This is the interaction yeah. where he says the outdrew. So yeah. obviously we, we learn that Bill sucks at poker. And this is why, yeah. why Charlie is so sort of heartbroken. Yeah. Um, like you said, Bill has this heaviness about him. He, he's, even though he came out here to, to whatever, to work the gold, he's, he's drinking himself and gambling himself to a slow death. Like yeah. it's, it's sad. Um, and, but, and losing and, and having like being shit talked to by the scum by that, of the earth, like exactly. Jack McCall and like Jack McCall does this asshole thing where he pretends to lose the hand, but then oh, uh, it reveals that he wins it. And he's like, you know, I uh, drew the uh, greatest gunfighter in the world. And then, uh, uh, that goes too far. Like yeah. that. Like he was willing to put up with a lot of shit from Jack McCall, but when he says that, he's like meaning the third eight, yeah, and then man. he makes him say it. And you can see right there that the seeds of violence are planted in Jack yeah. McCall right there because he just he just emasculates him yeah. by just making him articulate the words. I meant the third eight. Third eight is what <laughs> I meant. Right. You know, and it's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right, and. uh and I don't know why I'm mentioning this. There's something about his teeth that creep yep. me out. <laughs> he just yeah. has, McCall has terrible teeth. So you just know he's spewing bad breath while he's talking shit exactly. uh, to Wild Bill of all people. You know, and he's drunk, but it's not even clear if he were sober that he wouldn't be the ass, slimy asshole shit talker that he is. Yeah. And, uh, and Bill just fucking, he might be drinking himself to death, but he is not to be trifled with. Like, there is a line that yeah. you can cross with yeah. him and and Jack McCall crossed it. Yeah, and then Aiden, right. and then we meet Merrick and he's like speechifying. He may, we may have seen him earlier, but he's he's talking about like how Deadwood will one day be welcomed within the bosom of America or something <laughs> yeah, like doesn't that. Doesn't bosom mean tit? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of important background information um, yeah. where they're talking about the massacre at Little Bighorn and um you know that we have a treaty with the Sioux. We meaning the United States has a treaty with the Sioux, um, but they might rescind the treaty and and annex the 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 land, um, and yeah, and be taken into the bosom of America. <laughs> so now they get um, what's his name, Ned Mason and Saul and Seth get there, and you find out what happened, and he's still sticking to his story that it was the Sioux that did this, and there might be. Uh, another like girl who's missing. So uh, everybody in Tom's bar is like, all right, well, like, let's let's go out there. And uh, you know, Ned Mason doesn't want to. He's like, you know, like I'm gonna put my scalp out there. And then Wild Bill is like, I'll guarantee your scalp. Guarantee your scalp. <laughs> <laughs> a 
right? Yeah, they, they need him to show the place. Like the, the, they need him to ride out to show the exact place. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then Merrick's like, I'd be honored to ride with you, infirmities permitting. Yeah. And it, it turns out that he was like the real Merrick was this sort of like hypochondriac character. Um, yeah, that's a great. Yeah. <laughs> he, he totally is. And then you see a kind of bromance or father son kind of surrogate thing developing between Bill and uh, Bullock here. Yeah, too. it's really sweet. Uh, yeah. Two men who, who can't show emotion. Yeah. But they Again, both know that McCall, uh, not McCall, uh, yeah. uh, 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 Mason is full of shit. He's like, story don't hold water. And uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they both realize this. Um, and then uh, then word gets to um, to Al that this massacre took place at the yeah. gem. Um, the, the, he has this dope fiend who he uses as sort of like a little rat to, to yeah. run around and give him information. And he tells him about the, the massacre and Al's worried because he doesn't want basically that taking away business. That's going to kill the vibe of the night um, if people are worried about some little girl out there. And so he's like, who did you, did you tell me first? And he's like, no, I told some other people. And so and he gets, hits Johnny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he hits Johnny. Poor Johnny. I love Poor Johnny. Johnny. I love Johnny. Uh, Johnny hadn't done shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you also see how smart Al is in this scene because like Seth, like first time he laid eyes on Ned Mason and heard his story, like knew it was bullshit. Like Al didn't even need to like hear, like yeah. he, he knew it was persimmon Phil and the Mace and Ned Mason and, and Tom yeah. Mason. Like but right he might, away. He might know because he kind of has a That's deal true. with the road agents. Yeah. Yeah. So Not for this never... particular thing, but for no, other things. I, I yeah. think, yeah, I think he's upset that they, that they did this. Um, yeah. but, but I think he uses those road, road agents. I don't even, what is a road agent? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's people who just rob people on the road. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So, so Al has to basically like uh, save to save business for the night. He has to go out there and give his own speech, and yeah. he's like, he has this moral indignation about how like this is terrible and sure thing. Like, what the I say, savages killing the white man. Yeah. yeah, what I say is we take the night and ride out with a clear head tomorrow morning. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this is when he said what he what he. Uh, Tells everybody, is it? Does he say drinks are on the around? He has a round on the house and, and half then, price pussy for fifteen uh, minutes. The, the next timing, fifteen minutes, the timing <laughs> of that, like, and pussy's uh, half price. The next fifteen, like, um, and I love how he kind of then apologizes to Johnny without ever saying like, "I'm sorry." He would never do that, but like, he gives Johnny a look that's kind of like, "I'm sorry," and Johnny's like, "It's all right, Al." You know, like, I, get, I understand. They, they, the dynamic is so interesting between. Al and his two main yeah. henchmen, Darty and and Johnny, uh, where Johnny's kind of the buffoon, but we also see him throughout the series do some pretty intelligent things, yeah. and also has a heart. Um, totally, yeah. And yeah. Dan also Dan has a heart too. He'll do some brutal oh, things, yeah. and we'll see him even in the pilot. Yeah. do some brutal things but he is a really loyal henchman you know he yeah. and conciliate i don't know if he's a conciliary as much as he's like the number one enforcer yeah and he's the wee bay i guess of the of yeah the crew. and it's funny because he he is so loyal to al that the emotions that we see from him really are in relation to his relationship with al um, yeah. he gets sad when he thinks al later yeah. on in the series is, is favoring somebody else. Cause he, he identifies yeah. so much as Al's number one. Yeah. Um, yeah right. The only other real thing we see from him besides his relationship with Al is he gets horny for like 16 <laughs> year old Kristen Bell. 
<laughs> horny, fatherly, something a little fucked yeah, up. Yeah, super creepy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so everybody, so that they actually get a bunch of people to write out, including Merrick, um, infirmities aside, and uh, to find to go find the massacred family, and yeah. and Seth and, finds, and Jane goes with them, even yeah. though she tried to get people at the gem to go, and, uh, and they would. I think that but, she she went to try to find Bill. And she gives a great speech. Like nobody else at the gym wants to write out. And she yeah. says, "Like, uh, well, fine." Which is something like, "I'll buy, like, I'll, I'll." Drink I don't drink where I'm the only one with balls. With I'm the only one with balls. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, so she writes out. Um. They find Seth finds the little girl who is sure enough holed up. Um. And yeah. she appears to be unconscious, but she's alive. And, and wolves are like sniffing at it. Yeah, and so yeah. they come in with, and they ride back into town, and it's morning by now. Um, and this is where we see Jane's first uh, sort of motherly instincts toward the girl. It's very yeah. sweet, and it's um, the girl that she had winked at earlier yeah, in the episode. Yeah, who by the way is kind of creepy looking herself. Like she's a little poltergeisty. <laughs> yeah, she could be in a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting um, thing that they, you know, and she stays like that pretty much. The whole time, even yeah. when she starts talking and stuff, there's always something. It's it's Minnesotans, you know. It's Minnesotans, yeah. Their their family barely talked English, so she she didn't yeah. learn English. Um, this is when Garrett's waking up and he sees yeah. the town riding in, and and when Alma's fake sleeping, and he goes down like with his little. It's almost like it's a little lunchbox and his little panning for gold. Like, yeah, it's so it, funny. Yeah, that, like Dan gives him like the thumbs up, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I rewatched that after you were talking about it. Um, but, <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, because Dan, of course, is going to go take him to the claim. Um, yeah. Oh, we saw Trixie. Yeah, got her gun. She got a gun from Jewel, and from we haven't Jewel. talked about Jewel. She's the cripple. Yeah. That I say that as, a, as, as she's called, or the gimp, yeah. um, as she's called. Uh, alternate. Do, do you remember that she was the the woman from? Um, facts of life. I, I do, and I only like I, I I learn it, and then I forget it, and then <laughs> I read something that reminds me of it, then I forget it. Like I think that I've gone through that cycle like three or four times. <laughs> She's funny because she, as She's the great. character Jewel, but also I think as the actor, has like this a very just straightforward way of talking about her disabilities. Like she's yeah. clearly comfortable um, yeah. with knowing that she's like the gimp. And she's um, a pure soul, you know, like, I, and I think like, even though Al is mean to her, you get the sense that like the whole, like she wouldn't be working there if Al didn't feel yeah. something for her. And yeah. Al has a soft spot for the vulnerable that we'll learn, we'll learn yeah. later about uh, his brother. Do you um, think even in that brutal scene with Trixie that like you got glimmers of Al like already kind of caring for Trixie. Yeah, I was looking way. for it this time. And yeah. I do think so. I think you see that he cares. Um, but I wasn't sure whether my knowledge of the future events yeah. like made me see more into it. But I think he, I think from the beginning we see that he cares uh, about Trixie. And she's the bottom bitch, her. right? Like she's Yeah, the... she is the bottom bitch. She's she's the head girl of the Um I think he would have killed her. If, yeah, I think Dan says something along those lines because he, he tells Dan to kill Tim Driscoll. And at first, Dan's like, why should we kill him? He's harmless. Like, uh, Trixie yeah, is like the a real lot danger. more. Yeah. There's a real danger, like way more than Tim Driscoll. But so that just signals that 
Like Trixie would be dead if he didn't care yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so Trixie's been through some shit where she got beaten by the guy. She shot him and then gets beaten by Al. And uh, oh, she's yeah. sitting at the table with Ellsworth. This is and, great. And Ellsworth is being so sweet. Do you have the, the words up? Um, um, well, I only have the, um, uh, like, he, he's talking yeah, he's, to her. He says he's willing to pay just a dollar to hear her, just, just to listen yeah. to her, like, because she, she's all beaten up. And yeah. then she says, I don't have anything to say to you, Ellsworth, because she's a little bit of a, she's got a sharp edge to her, too. Yeah. Even though I think she gets that he's being a nice guy. And then he has one of the great lines of this episode, fuck uh, us all anyway for the limber dick cocksuckers that we are. <laughs> Um, yeah. And right before that, she says, uh, what I got on my chest don't concern you, Ellsworth. And then he looks and in her cleavage, there's a gun. Yeah. And like, I don't think I caught that maybe the first time around. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're supposed to think she's going to kill Al. She's going to kill Al. Yeah. Yeah. Which Um, I didn't really get. Uh, I, I thought she was just rebelling by getting a gun, even though yeah, he, told he took her away the gun. Yeah, she, but but when her. Jules says like, for in case like men beat on her, on you, like I think that's like Al had just been the guy who was beating on her. Yeah. So right. Um, and so as the the camp has come, I mean, as the writers uh, come in in the morning from having saved the little girl, we see. Um, uh, what's his name? Ned. Um, also riding up and he sees that they have the little girl. Right? Yeah. So he's like fucked because. Yeah, he, All right. I'll be going now. Glad <laughs> she's safe. I'm out of here. She'll be in my prayers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she'll be in my prayers. He's trying to talk his way out of it. Yeah. Uh, first person to dismount and approach him is Seth. Yeah. Um, Bill sees exactly what's going to go down. And he asks Saul, is your friend any good with a gun? And, uh, and Saul gives this answer that it just is so good. Um, yeah. He says, I don't feel qualified to say. Yeah. Um, he's not a gunslinger. He doesn't, you know, in comparison to other people, like how would, how would he know? Like what? Yeah. So Bill dismounts and they're both walking up to Ned and they both know and they tell him, if that little girl, wait, you've got to stay here until that little girl wakes up and we're going to yeah. hear what she has to say. And so he knows he's fucked. He, he reaches, we don't, it's great scene. We don't see his hand, but we clearly, if you pay attention, he's clearly reaching. Yeah. And then, uh, both Bill and Seth pull and shoot. Bill, badass as he is, pulls two guns (laughs) and shoots and kill, uh, kill Ned dead. And Bill says, was that me or you, Montana? And, uh, Seth replies, uh, so great, says, my money would be on you. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a, and then you get the sense they are now connected. They're now connected. That's right. Because they were the two to step up. You know, they were the, they were both former lawmen. Um, They know what's what. And he's already nicknamed him. Nicknamed him. him, And that for men, giving somebody a nickname means like you guys have a little crush on each other. You're you're, (laughs) you're practically fucking in like... Like the most you're curious way. about yeah. it. Um, and uh, I don't know if this matters to you or not, but I always kind of was unsure whether he was just being humble um, by saying my money would be on you or or whether that was the case. And actually this time I, I rewatched it slow, like I watched slow frame by frame and, and they do make Bill draw faster. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think like there's no reason to think that that Seth Bullock is that fast to draw. He's not like this no, Western right. like icon. Exactly. I don't think he was supposed to be a great shot in real life. And yeah, I don't think in the he show. Just, yeah. He's just yeah. a badass in the show. Like he's yeah. But um, even in the show, I don't think he's a badass in terms of like he's not like a, his quick draw. No, you know? he's just uh, he, yeah. he's just a badass in that he. I mean, we'll see later on. He'll literally drag the most powerful man in like in their yeah. whole sphere by the ear. <laughs> yeah. um uh all by the way alma has woken up and and she has her version of wake and bake like she sees what happened and she sees what happens and she's clearly like mesmerized by the action yeah. of like seth and wild bill like taking down this murderer and then from her point of view it cuts to seeing her husband and this is actually when he shows her like the pan and dan dan's like so eager yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow you're you're all grown up crop prospector now you know like really yeah. like a little kid like playing dressing up yeah. as like a yeah. like a, a fireman or something <laughs> and alma that's when alma's like oh fuck <laughs> just well like the thing is you know he is it's so pitiful because everybody's laughing at him but he doesn't see it alma sees it yeah. though and oh. he also is in too deep like yeah. he he is messing with powers that he has no control over and you know he'll pay the consequences for it but he's oblivious um to the yeah. fact that he's in with some bad people like is he a hundred percent oblivious i don't i think he really thinks you know the whole play was to make him feel like dan doherty was his yeah. boy yeah. and i think that his he agent. really thinks his agent he, he really thinks well with this guy watching my back you know i'm yeah. good um, and Wait till think, father like hears <laughs> about this. He'll goal. be so impressed. He'll love me, He'll yeah, respect so I, me. <laughs> I don't think at this point we have any sense that he he knows that he got, for instance, fooled. Um, uh, no, not yet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's off prospecting, and Alma so, really... and Alma gets immediately high. She just yeah. drops. She drops that that tincture yeah. of laudanum, yeah. and, and, and like high. this is my husband in this place. This just yeah. like place where there's just like people beating on each other and shooting each other yeah. just constantly, and I have this guy <laughs> to protect me. Like fuck <laughs> this, I'm 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 hitting the laudanum early. God, man, it makes me wish <laughs> that we still lived in a society where we could have like laudanum uh, yeah. to, to yeah. get through to get through this shit. Should we do a super specioso? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Quick spot it's here. Thailand, Laudanum. It's um, our Laudanum. So, so last scene, um, uh, we know that Trixie has a gun. We see we, she goes up to Al's room. Al is in bed because it's the morning. Knock on the door. We know it's Trixie, but Al only suspects that it's Trixie. He grabs the gun from his dresser and puts yeah, Which it, I never noticed until this very uh, last know, rewrite. Right? Yeah. Um, and he puts it under the bed. And he says, come in. Like, who is it? Come in. She walks in. And first thing she does is hand him the gun. And yeah. He put, she puts it on the dresser. Yeah. And so we, we see that Al was ready to be shot at by Trixie. Yeah. But she, she saved her life by putting the gun on the dresser. And then yeah. she crawls in bed next to him. And, and and shows so it's a kind of submissive gesture, right? right. Um, but you're right that it also saved her life, yeah. um, presumably. I don't know. Like I'm not a. I wouldn't bet on Al a hundred percent. In uh, Trixie's got a lot of uh, when she sets her mind to something, she will do it. So there at the end, we I think 
now have enough information to know what the nature of the relationship between Trixie and Al is. And it's not healthy. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely um, abusive and maybe codependent, but there's real affection there. Yeah. But they do, they, they do get dangerous with each other. They, they, yeah. they're, they clearly have the ability to push the other person yeah. um, in a way that no other person seems to have. And I think Al's, like, conflict is, on the one hand, he respects Trixie. And, and like, Al doesn't respect many people, but he yeah. respects her. He respects her opinion. So, like, as yeah. somebody to talk to, it's not like the blowjob girl yeah. like like he he actually wants her to be there and and has real affection for her but he is loath more than bullock to put himself in a vulnerable position yeah. like and that is inherently vulnerable like uh yeah. having this strong-willed woman that you like need that he yeah. that, and, and like that's this conflict that will play out for the rest of the series really yeah yeah and that's why when he was beating her like he really did have this i think he really thought that well he needs to do that like i have to do this yeah um, but he didn't he didn't want to but he had to um yeah so that's the end of the episode there's there's one thing that i that i wanted to say about this episode that and about the series in general is um we meet pretty much every main character um un until like there will be other people introduced but we've met like i don't know what 15 yeah. people in in this one hour show, I have met and care about what happens to these people. I, yeah. When you say they'll be studying, yeah, like Milch's writing. And I also think it comes through in the performances too. Like you get their essence already in these yeah. opening episodes, with the possible exception of Doc. Of Doc. You know, and maybe because yeah. we don't really see much of. Um, Alma Garrett, you know, like, so, yeah. uh, other yeah. than her, that she's a little right. savvier than her husband. Yeah. But even that, the ability to give us that, yeah. that she is the one who, who yeah. knows more in this relationship. This is sort of a fool's error and she's, she's, she's numbing herself to whatever's going on. Um, a yeah. lot of what we see later will be more and more numbing of herself. But yeah. You get like that Dan and Johnny are devoted to Al, yep. you know, and that that they're like this family. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's all it's it's amazing. Yeah, um, and and I, I don't know how it was done. Whether this was a pilot that needed to get picked up, but um, um, it's just so much of of what becomes the show is already there from from yeah. episode one. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've two hours. I think we're gonna, I we're gonna make these more concise. Yes, we have to. I All right. Well, we'll try. We'll we'll try to do uh, as good a job in a shorter <laughs> amount of time next time. But whatever. Like the show is so fucking good. Yeah, it it's our to enthusiasm. We're yeah. we're. You know what? Give us the thumbs up, like uh, like Doherty gave it to Bram like, yeah. <laughs> for this first one. <laughs> All right. Join us next time on the Ambulators. That will make no sense for people who are just watching it for the time. I know. <laughs>